Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is me and an incredible film director, Yavor Petkov. We get to sit and talk all about his new film, Danny Legend God. It's an absolutely incredible film. He's been involved in the writing, the producing and directing. And honestly, it's an absolute incredible film from start to finish. And I can't wait to break it down in more detail during the interview with me and Yavor very soon. But before we get to that interview, in true typical Mark and Me fashion, and hopefully you know the score by now, I like to touch base and talk about my last episode. So on episode 141 of the Mark and Me podcast, I was joined by the film director, Aline Khan. We got to sit down and talk all about his brand new film, After Love. The episode has only been out a few days, but it's already hit number one in the podcast charts for film interviews. It's had a huge response online, and I've seen so many new people jumping on board on Twitter and Facebook telling me just how much they enjoyed the interview and have then gone and seen the film at the cinema. So thanks to everyone that's listened to the interview and then taken it upon themselves to check out this masterpiece of a film. It's still out now, and I recommend everyone goes and sees After Love. But as I said, on today's episode, I'm joined by the director, Yavor Petkov. We get to talk so much about filmmaking and what it takes to actually get into the industry, and it's such an inspiring interview. For anyone out there who's thinking of making a film, this interview will do loads. Honestly, I'm so proud of it, and I think the best thing to do is to get straight to it. So here's me and Yavor talking all things film. So Yavor, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Hello Mark, nice to be here. What I wanted to do today is for anyone that's listening who's going to now discover you for the first time, is take it right back to the very start and when you were growing up, what were those early films that you were watching that made you really fall in love with film? Uh, For me actually it started kind of late. Uh, I have to say that um, in... Maybe it was early 20s, like 21. I first started getting real interest in cinema. Before that, so I'm from a very small, well, not very small, kind of small town in Bulgaria where the cinema didn't really work all the time. So for instance, you turn up and then there wouldn't be four people. Uh, so then they, they would just cancel the, the movie. Wow. They, they need minimum four for it to make sense financially. Um, and that meant that maybe from... 21, you know, when you could just have access to whatever you, you will want, uh, legally or illegally, uh, I could just watch a lot more. Uh, and uh, I started like anybody with just the, the more commercial titles. But what really got my interest was, um, I think it was like one day or a couple of days where I watched three amazing movies, one after the other. Uh, so that was um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, amazing. Uh, uh, Buffalo 66. Wow. Uh, and Pulp Fiction. So we got these three in a row. Um, and I never, I don't really watch trailers. I don't read anything about the movies. Uh, I just start watching. Um, generally, I just check, you know, you know, if, they, if they've been recommended on a Facebook group or if they have a good IMDb score, something like that. But I generally don't have any idea what the movie is about before I start watching. So, so these three are, you know, obviously pretty mind-blowing. In very different ways. Yeah. So, so watching these three just really made me first start thinking about them a lot, and then also start thinking about me doing something in the future um, 
in in the space of, of filmmaking. So at that point, did you actually think to yourself you could make a career out of directing and did you have the support from your family and friends or was it one of those things where you were going to try and get into it with maybe a, a, a more secure job in the background? Yeah, I. it's a funny one because I come from a family of artists and my father told me at like pretty early teens, you, you can do whatever you want in your life, just make sure you make a lot of money. Wow. Um, so... <laughs> That was sound advice, and actually, I work. I've been working for the last ten years in banks and and you know in in the financial services industry. So I don't make my money from filmmaking. I hope I will one day. Yeah, uh, but it's not that easy, um, even for like established filmmakers to yeah. find funding. Um, so uh, I got the full support of my family. Um, I think I didn't really start thinking about it as a career straight away. I just thought it would be cool to make movies. Where did you start? Did it, was it a case of getting a Super 8 camera or some um, sort of low-cost equipment to then try and see if these things could become practical or was it just about exploring with some friends or how, how did it come about that you actually got involved in making then something that you could put out or you could put down as an actual video? Yeah, so uh, I'm not very proficient with in terms of like actually shooting and like equipment. I'm not one of, one of the like uh, technical geeks yeah um, so what i did was i just um very naively uh in the beginning i just uh, thought well i'm gonna make uh, you know a trailer and then i'm gonna go to, to the Cannes film market and i'm gonna pitch the trailer with the, with the written script to producers and then that's how it works as you can imagine um generally work but what i got out of it is that we made a pretty cool trailer for a film that's you know, doesn't exist. It's yeah. like a teaser. Um, and uh, I did go to Cannes. I did show it to people. Um, but, you know, you need a little bit more background before somebody commits to <laughs> to funding your film. So yeah. so what I, what I decided to do next was was a few short films. So obviously for that trailer, I, I was a producer and director. I wasn't, uh, you know, behind the camera. Uh, I hired people for everything. So it was a very good learning experience about who does what on set. And in fact, some of the people that I worked with back then, I was maybe seven, eight years ago, um, I, I still keep in touch with. So for any future projects, I, I know, uh, you know, good ADs, good focus pullers, good um, DOPs and so on. And over a couple of years, you had your shorts. So you had Amber and Green Man, and you did those over the space of a couple of years. To then take those few years to then take it up to the next stage, which was obviously to release a feature-length film where we're here now talking about Danny Legend God. How did you find the step from going from that short to the actual big step of actually making a, a feature-length film? Because it's, it's a massive step up, isn't it? It is, but in, in many ways for me it was easier because for the short, um, I had very limited funds available or I had decided to, to not overcommit. So um, it was both of them were done, um, especially Amber was, was done like over a weekend um, yeah. and with a lot of non-actors. So basically like the, the level of organization for the, for the feature was um, much, much better just because I knew that it was going to be a lot bigger task and a lot more difficult. So 
knowing that it's going to be very difficult made it easier. Uh, yeah. Even even though all the preparation was, or most of it was, uh, from distance because I'm I was here in in London and then we filmed it back in Bulgaria, so I had people on the ground looking for for costumes and preparing like uh, some some of our props that had to be actually uh, be 3D printed or built or painted um, to like location scouting and stuff like this. But because it was done over a few months with everything very well thought out and having very good like line producers and, and helpers on the ground in Bulgaria, it was actually in the end much better. And the production was very, very smooth. And the product that came out of it is a lot more aligned to what I imagined than any of the short films. Um, and what's really good about this, I was lucky enough to see the film yesterday, is that I think it reminds you that you don't need lots and lots of money to make a really tight movie um it was really creatively shot and consistently engaging so i was always gripped at it and i thought it was a really fantastically made film now i don't want to spoil it because there's people that are going to listen who will then go and check out the film but the actual concept about this documentary being made and then i, I really don't want to talk about it too much because i want the listener to be able to go and watch this and kind of be surprised but I love the kind of twist in it that it gets that documentary feel to then get hijacked and how did that concept come about because it's a really original concept and great idea uh well I stole it um it's it's from a movie (laughs) (laughs) it's from a movie called Man Bites Dog um, yeah Belgian black comedy that's become like kind of a cult classic from from the 90s um I'm sure they stole it from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, uh... And and they stole it from somebody before that. So it works like this. But what I liked about it uh, is, you know, in our movie, we have changed the, it's a different theme, different uh, backdrop, uh, different style, different score. So so it's not like a remake or or, or anything like that, but it's basically uh, a very inspiring movie for me because it's so different from anything else. Um, And... It's, it's the perspective of the viewer that is so unique. It's like you are there with this insane protagonist uh, right next to him, not in his head via a voiceover. Uh, yeah. Which generally I'm not against, but in this case, it's, it's like so much different feel to it where you're just kind of in his um, entourage and you're walking with him and, and he's sharing like very intimate, crazy things with you that uh you feel like it's real life um and you're not just watching a movie uh so to me i wanted to recreate that in obviously in a different setting with with a different theme um but to me that was very very interesting so that's what inspired tiny legend gordon and this perspective of basically um being right next to this guy not inside his head but right next to him and being going on on this crazy journey with him and and the casting I felt was superb, and they're actors that I haven't heard of. So um, the guy that plays Danny is it yeah. Demo? Uh, he was fantastic. Like, how did the audition or the casting come about for him? Because he was unbelievable. Yeah, he is unbelievable, and um, it took more than two years to um, to land the, uh, Demo as, as the lead. So I wasn't sure he was going to be up for it, um, but 
um, also it comes down to like how I approach him. Like I, I, I tried with two different casting directors and, and first one, he didn't seem to respond. And the second one, he said, yeah, I'm coming to the audition. So, um, I, I guess it's like one of these things where you like, you just keep, keep knocking on the door until they open. So, but in general, I didn't just think of him. Like we, we, we saw more than 50 actors and non-actors for the role. So that's why it took two years and many of them did very well, but they were like missing something because my requirements were just so specific. For instance, yeah. I wanted him to have this specific type of crazy. Um, you know what I mean? Cause you've seen the movie, but yeah. I guess people will know with, what type of crazy that is. It's not like a, like a angst, uh, you know, German horror kind of crazy or no. um, it's, it's not like a serial killer kind of crazy or, or, or like just a coke maniac crazy. It's, it's a very unique one. Uh, also wanted to be him to be like physically imposing, like, uh, you know, Christian Bale in, in American Psych or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Um, or, and also wanted him to be like genuinely Eastern European and uh, not just faking an accent. Yeah, um, which actually he like he could speak much better than that. But I told him, no, no, keep it like like you are a guy from a small town. Like you're not you're not speaking American English. So he could do that straight away, and he could also deliver like um, ten minutes of dialogue while driving uh, in real traffic and improvising. So Dimo did all of that. Plus, um, he could help out the, le- the less experienced actors as well. Um, so he really, really ticked all the boxes of um, kind of crazy physical uh, looks, presence, um, ability to to deliver lines and improvise, and and basically the most important, just understanding what the film is about and what his character is about. And essentially, with him, all the job was done before we even started shooting. Like there was no no, let's do it a bit a bit differently. Like he most of the times um, he would just nail it straight away. Um, we did have more than one takes very often, of course, yeah. but it was for other reasons, just because the way we shoot is just so unpredictable, what can come into the frame and from where, and, you know, different lighting conditions and two boom operators and, and all of that stuff. And have you had much chance, and I'm not sure if you want to or if you don't, but have you looked at a lot of the feedback and the reviews? Because everything I see on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and a lot of the movie review sites have given this 10 stars or 5 stars, and I've not seen a bad review. Everybody is speaking really, really highly of this, which must be a really good pat on the back for yourself and a, a huge compliment to know it's your first real debut feature that's getting such good reviews yeah and and i hope it continues getting more reviews because it's just coming out now yeah uh, it's only been basically very limited um very very few people have seen it through festivals live yeah uh, and through a very limited um vod release in bulgaria in january so so they're yet to come and i'm sure they won't be all positive because the movie is, is quite different. It's like not for everybody for sure. Um, but I'm happy to read all kinds of reviews and, and if they're positive, uh, it's motivating. But in general, I, I just want the film to find its audience. Um, I think um, some of the more like hardcore film geeks may may like it more than others. Um, some people who are, who are just more mainstream maybe are wondering you know, what the hell is going on. But I just hope uh, film finds its audience. 
That's brilliant. And something that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, and I know you're still quite early into your career and you started quite late, but what advice do you give to people that are listening today that want to be like yourself and start directing films and to get out there and start trying to make a career in a business that's quite hard to get into? Yeah, I don't know what the traditional way to get into this business is, to be honest. I guess it's like go to film school and stuff. I, I generally do it like this. Um, I just am pretty reckless and like I decided to spend all of my money that I've worked for to make something that generally doesn't really bring any 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 profit. Uh, not, not just independent films, but just films in general. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, you have to be ready to take that financial hit, I guess. And not just financial, but just your time. Because this took like, from, from when I decided to make it seriously, like started writing the script to to it being released, albeit with, with the whole like COVID-19 delays and so on, it's been six years. So if you're not ready to devote like six years of your life, uh, and it's not over yet, because, you know, obviously now it's, it's actually coming out. So it's all, you know, all the work around promoting it. But if you're not ready to devote six years of your life to something, then just don't do it. Um, and then it's just crazy amount of um of things to think about if you are self-producing like i would advise it's not easy to say because i didn't really do i managed to do it but i couldn't but i would advise anybody to try to team up with a sales agent or an experienced producer um i'm hoping to do that for the next project because just doing it on my own is nearly impossible job um and people who are in the industry will be able to give you a very useful advice and open some doors for you. Like I spent more than a year applying to co-production markets and labs and things like that. And I think it was because of uh, the film, my background or lack of background generally get any of these doors to open for me, but it, it's not to say that it's a completely futile exercise. I think people should do that and just accept that maybe they waste one year of their life applying to like 50 co-production markets and labs and and like screenplay competitions and whatnot um so yeah i mean the same with festivals right it's it's like when you apply to festivals it's it's going to be you know one in a hundred that are maybe going to watch your screener so if you think you're going to send it to two festivals and you're going to win two awards and you're going to be discovered and invited to the oscars it's not going to happen like that right so i think you just have to it's a hustle like with every other like sort of uh, art and entertainment business. It's maybe some people get lucky, but the, the vast majority just need to, it's a grind and uh, you just need to keep getting at it all the time. I think that's really good advice. And you just touched base then about what you're doing next. So some of the listeners that will then go and see this and check this out, What what is next for you now? You've got this first one under... Uh, raps you've done it you've released it it's out there where where are you now are you looking at trying to do another feature length are you wanting to do more documentaries where are you at what would you like to do next um i have a lot of ideas nothing specific yet it all depends like i said on on teaming up with the right people yeah uh, i hope when the movie now goes out to to, uh, to actually a wide audience um some people who are maybe on the same wavelength um you know could be future collaborators so uh yeah just waiting to see what what's out there uh i'm not quite ready to just start doing the same thing again um 
but yeah, I have plenty of ideas and, and just need to team up with the right people to actually make them happen. And my final question today is we ask everybody that comes on the podcast to pick the outro music. Um, we put you on the spot, but any song or a piece of music by a band that means something to you will be the outro music. So when the interview's finished, we do the outro and then it plays some music. And what on the spot is a piece of music or a piece of uh, music by a band or a song that means something to you that you would like to be the outro music for your episode? Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I I really like uh, like London jazz bands, uh, and I just contacted them out of the blue and said, "How about I use your music in my film?" Um, and they said, "Yeah, fine." Um, and we, we we arranged it, and that's the, actually the, the music that plays over the final credits in the. Oh, lovely! Yeah, so uh, um, it's it's a band called Ill Considered. Okay. That's perfect. Uh, I literally think that's exactly us by the minute. I think we're due to finish now. So I wanted to say a massive thank you for your time today and coming on the podcast. I can't wait for people to start seeing the film and then seeing the tweets and the feedback on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, it's really exciting to see where you're going to go because usually when someone releases a debut, a lot of people are saying, oh, I can see potential. I can see this. I can see that. But I've seen nothing but absolutely huge glowing reviews. And I think you're going to go far. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Mark. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be on a podcast with, uh, with the likes that, that have been on here. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Yavor. An amazing guy, so inspirational. His advice for getting into the film industry, I think, is so, so gold and something you don't get from textbooks. It's so good to hear from these directors, their experience, and hearing it completely from their heart and everything they've worked towards. So a massive thank you for him for coming on the show and talking all about his brand new film, Danny Legend God. The film is out now. I urge you to go and check it out. It's absolutely brilliant, and I swear you'll absolutely love it. So hit me up on Twitter or Facebook after seeing it and let me know your thoughts, and I'll pass them all on to Yafor. A massive thank you for him for taking the time to come on the podcast, as always, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it just as much as I have at home. If you've loved today's episode, all I ask is you to share it on your networks. You've all got Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or email. Let someone know about the episodes. There's 142 episodes sitting there on iTunes and Spotify and Podomatic and Amazon Music. Let people know. Spread the word. It's the ultimate marketing tool for me and costs absolutely nothing to share it. So please, I love seeing it all over social media when you share it. Keep it coming. It makes such a difference to the podcast. If you've really enjoyed today's episode and you want to support the podcast on another level, I do have a Patreon page. The link is on markandme.com. Every single month, I'm giving away incredible prizes from the amazing guys at Vice Press, some of the best movie posters that you can get out there. I'm going to have brand new prizes this month from Girls on Tops and so much more coming up. Seriously, the prizes are getting insane. All I ask is you to jump on there, support me from as little as a pound a month. And at the moment, it's not even two episodes a month. You're getting about three or four episodes a week. It's that busy and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. I really appreciate it. And all the money that goes in via Patreon goes straight back into the podcast. So it allows me to do more and more podcasts, get out there and record more interviews, which means more and more for you guys. So it's a win-win. I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. I'm really excited by the next couple of weeks ahead. There's such a big range of guests and something for everyone. 
So until then, look after yourself, take care, and I'll speak to you all soon.